0: Jeremy, Bond can't hear you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for playing Messenger. <laughs> um...
0: I know you can hear Bond, but it's fun for me to tell you that he can't <laughs> hear you. It's even funnier to me because I'm like two bourbons deep. So this is amazing.
2: <laughs> what you got? What you sipping? What's what's
0: uh, today? Today, I'm drinking a little bit of uh, Jim Beam Black Ooh. because uh, it's great. It's from Kentucky and they want to, they want a. Um, they won a medal as the world's highest-rated bourbon in uh, 2017, 2018, and I feel like that's a quicker award than the UK basketball team. So,
2: <laughs> now, how is did did they deserve the reward? Oh yes, yeah,
0: delicious bourbon. I'm not gonna lie, it's really, really flipping good. Yeah, I man. What's a so price you, point of you, that? You, you've had basil, Hayden. yeah. Uh, honestly, so so Jim Beam owns. Basil Hayden, which I didn't know, but Jeremy and I actually found that out when we went to a, a Dodgers game last year. Really? And we we were at um the uh, we, yeah we went to the Dodgers Braves playoff game. We got there early. Oh, dude, Jeremy, what was it called? The Gun and the what? The What and Gun Club. Jeremy, can you hear him? Okay, no, I can't hear him. But anyways, he'll he'll pop in. I think he did something, but no. So we went to like the uh, Rose and Gun, some bullshit club, but it was amazing. And we had Old Fashions. And this dude was talking to us, and he goes, hey, when we were talking about bourbons, and, I, and Jeremy and I was like, oh, we really like Basil Hayden. And he said, well, if you like Basil Hayden, you know, Basil Hayden's not, like, crazy expensive, but it's not right. cheap. It's, like, $35, $40 a bottle. He said, try Jim Beam Black. And the price point on this is $22. That is the most expensive I've ever paid for. It's between 20 and, like, $22 really? a bottle. And it tastes almost exactly the same. I love it. It, 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 it you know, it, it's got that great bourbon taste, but it doesn't like burn your esophagus. You don't feel like you're on fire. Huh. Um, it's, it's fantastic, dude. I tell you, I really like it. And ever since that dude told me it, like, I, I always have a bottle uh, in my, uh, in my man cave, well, amongst others, nice. but Jim Beam Black Bond, I'm I'll telling you, check have to it try out, that It's, I mean. It's I it's mean, overwhelming now it's with great. so
2: many people in the market and trying to find one in that oh, price God. range where you're not overspending but you want to spend and get something decent and you're not ah uh, it's crazy.
0: Well, I I'll tell you because it was the funniest thing because until this dude said something, I was like Jim Beam, like screw off. I yeah. I had Jim Beam when I was in high school and that was yeah. garbage. But like I will drink Jim Beam Black, um, it's delicious. Huh.
2: I'll have to get a
0: bottle. Like, I'll I'll mess with that. And then, if you like Basil Hayden, you got to try the uh, Basil Hayden. uh, Shit, I think it's raw. They age one in port wine barrels.
2: Huh.
0: And it's like bourbon, but it ends up sweet. It's real good.
2: Nice. All right,
1: welcome to episode three of the Bros, Balls, and Bourbon podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Dorn, in Asheville, North Carolina, and I'm joined by the male nurse, maelstrom, the Boston bopper, the cushiest dude on the internet, Matt Cushman in Nashville, Tennessee. What's up, buddy?
0: (laughs) What's up, my man? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, and I apologize in advance, man, but I have to just quickly put you on blast right at the top of this podcast. Before we get to our actual topics here, I have a bone to pick. I found out through the grapevine that you, a huge sports fan, a huge fan of TV and movies, have not seen one of the greatest sports dramas ever created for television, Friday Night Lights. Please explain yourself.
0: Um, I read the book. I thought the book was pretty good. I knew TV would ruin it, so uh, <laughs> that's it. All right. No, I'm, I'm excuse, kidding.
1: Better excuse than
0: I thought. <laughs> I'm kidding. I um, Honestly, I didn't know Friday Night Lights was a thing for a little while. And I think one of my buddies um, talked about it. And it was always one of those like, oh, yeah, I got to watch it. But I have other things I want to do. And uh, I never got around to it. I, I mean, everybody swears by it. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. The book was so good. I don't want it to get ruined.
1: That's totally fair, and I'm only this gung ho about it because I'm rewatching the series on Hulu right now. So I'm oh. all all about Friday Night Lights at the moment. Everything I think of has some connection. You know how how it gets when you get back into a TV show. But yeah. I will uh, I'll let you off the hook if you have the time. Jump on Hulu, watch the series. I guarantee you will have a Smash Williams jersey in your Amazon cart before the end of season one. But I <laughs> do I, I get, digress.
0: Do I get credit for watching, seeing the movie Friday Night Lights?
1: You do. It's it's a different movie. Same I think it's based off the same book, but the movie is different than the show, yeah. kind of different characters I mean, and plot lines, but
0: the movie was not that great either.
1: Yeah, so, the movie was all right. So I would maybe the TV but, show maybe is maybe not was too done
0: much better cuz I saw the movie. I don't know.
1: You, I'll give you a partial credit, but I will say the the TV show is definitely the best of the two um film versions in my uh, opinion.
0: I'll, I'll tell you what. I will put it down and I'm not going to put a timetable on it because, as you know me <laughs> all years, I'm horrible with like uh, scheduled times. The fact that I'm available to to record this podcast is a miracle in and of itself <laughs> uh, but i will I will watch a couple of episodes, and when I do, we will discuss it on this podcast.
1: Beautiful. We got plenty of time. We will discuss on a future episode once you have the time to watch, but Anyway, let's uh, let's get to the actual show here, starting with, of course, the NFL again. So first things first, I want to talk about how lucky you are that the Chiefs put the brakes on the Bills. Even though I picked the Chiefs to win, I was secretly hoping the Bills would pull an upset so that you'd have to make good on your promise from episode two to go all Bills mafia on a poor, innocent folding table. Probably yes. for the best. Probably for the best in the end, but still a bummer. So um, let's talk about that game real quick. Josh Allen looked okay, in my opinion. He was slippery late in the fourth quarter showed off his athleticism a little bit but it was obviously too little too late um i think mahomes made it clear he's still the qb to beat in the afc and the chiefs have to be feeling pretty good moving into the super bowl the way their offense played so what are your thoughts on that game
0: uh you know the, the you you know we all saw the game. The Bills went up nine nothing, and I think I texted you and I said I'm I still uh, they could be up ninety nothing, and it's just <laughs> I mean it's it's the Chiefs. Like I I was hoping the Bills were gonna do more, um, but they couldn't. The Chiefs just overwhelmed them. Um Frankly, uh, not that I think the, the Chiefs' defense is anything to sneeze at, but I, I did not see them. I did not anticipate them doing as good a job as they did against the Bills' offense. I think I actually picked the Bills' the Chiefs game to have the higher over-under. Um, actually, did it? I don't even remember.
1: Yeah. you. Well, we bet on which game would have the highest combined point total, and you did win that. The AFC ended up doing that mostly oh, on, all right. okay, on cool. the strength of the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was points, the Chiefs. But, but I, I, I thought it would be more – you know, the score at the end – even though it was only two scores, like I gotta be honest, like that was just um, that's deceiving. Like, yes, uh, you know, literally from the minute the Bills went up nine, nothing. I just said and then the Chiefs scored their first touchdown. I said, okay, like how many are they going to score before the half? And it was just, it was an onslaught. And honestly, I, I put myself. I tried to think of like how I would feel as the defensive coordinator for the Bills. I was like, dear God, who who the hell do you focus on? Yeah. I mean, it's just – and Clyde's Edwards-Hilaire was back, and it was like, what do you do?
1: I yeah, mean, it's, it's,
0: it's, it was crazy.
1: That's the tough thing about the Chiefs, and that's exactly what we were texting about during the game is how tough they are offensively. You, just, you can plug a few different guys up if you have a really good defense, but then there's like two or three other guys who can beat you at any time with Mahomes slinging it. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really tough for them to – lose <laughs> you know yeah. all due respect to the Bucks, um, it's going to be tough and especially if their defense steps up again then you're you're potentially looking at a repeat champion in the NFL but you know we'll uh we'll dive more into that actual Super Bowl matchup on our next episode just before the big game is actually played um which funny enough we've again talked about this in episode two but the Bucks have this kind of first of its kind home field advantage in the Super Bowl which is crazy but You know, first time in NFL history, a team plays the Super Bowl in their home stadium by sheer happenstance or by Brady magic. Who knows why? But they'll be playing in uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. It's crazy.
0: They will, and you know, I I think the one moment I want to bring up from the Chiefs Bills game, and then honestly, like, there's not a whole lot to say about it. You know, the Chiefs (laughs) just decimated them. But
1: let's let's hear. It
0: it was after Hardman dropped that punt, which led to the Bills recovering it in the first quarter. And going up nine, nothing. Somehow they missed the field goal, whatever, neither here nor there. It didn't matter in the end, did it? Um, So the first thing you saw was Mahomes got him on the sideline was like, hey, no, get your head back in the game. You're going to do great. You're going to make a play. And then he got a 51-yard run the the next offensive series. They did a jet sweep um, to the left, and he ran 51 yards. And then he ended up scoring a touchdown on the same drive. And it it speaks to Mahomes as a leader that it's like, hey, because – it's not easy to give up points like that, unless you're the Chiefs, obviously. But, I mean, he got Hardman. They, they did a hell of a job getting his head back in the game and getting him back on his, on his game. Um, and I, I think that was – I think that's the scary thing, is Mahomes could literally take a player who made a huge gaffe on a big stage and was like, no, screw it. Next play, you're going to crush it. And the, the kid did, and, and we saw the outcome. Yeah, so I'm glad I, you
1: brought I, that up. That's it's really cool to see Mahomes leading like that. He's still young, obviously. He's, you know, he's become a, a grizzled veteran in the sense that he's won a championship and, you know, been an elite player for a few years now. Um, but that's a whole different level. That's the, you know, the Brady's and Rodgers and breezes yes. of the leagues, right? He's growing into that at a young age, and it's, it's cool to see because he really did pick Hartman up and say, "Look, we're going right back to you. Better be ready." And sure enough. It's t- they go right back to him. He scores a TD, and the blowout begins.
0: Yeah, and and, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm dumping on the Bills because, I mean, this is the Bills' first AFC Championship game since what the '90s.
1: Yeah, the, and they deserve all and, the respect in the and,
0: world. And their future is bright. Josh Allen lit the world on fire this season, and and I, I think their future is looking up. Frankly um I think right now based on everything else I mean I think the Dolphins are going to start nipping on their heels in the next year or two but right now the Bills are the class of the AFC East and I think for the first time in a very long time you know they finally have a QB honestly since Jim Kelly they have a QB that they can believe in that can make the plays that has the arm that can galvanize his team to victories um so I mean, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a lost season. They made it to the to the AFC Championship, and I think you know that's nothing to to, to be sad about. I mean, it sucks to lose, but I, I see them getting back to this game more often than not over the next few years.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I they sh- should not hang their heads. I doubt they have maybe just immediately after the game, but that's to be expected. But yeah, overall, I mean it's it's a franchise that's been suffering for a long time. They put together an incredible season. They have a bright young star quarterback, both facets of their team, all three facets really of their team look strong moving forward. And like you said, I think they've kind of separated themselves as into that top tier in the AFC. They just happen to run into the best team in the AFC and kinda, you know, hit a buzzsaw there in the championship game. But I agree, I think they will be back uh a few times over the next half decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um we will see where it goes from there. But let's uh, let's flip over to the NFC real quick. We uh, mentioned that the Buccaneers will be playing that crazy home game, essentially, in the Super Bowl. Right, uh, might be a little bit different if we were able to have a full stadium. But they will be underdogs even at home, obviously, playing against the Chiefs. But that is a nice advantage. And I thought they actually looked really good in Green Bay. You know, you have to look good to win in Green Bay. But the defense really stepped up. And mm. you mentioned that on our last episode. You said watch out for the... Defense, they looked good last week, etc., etc., and they surprised the hell out of me. You were right, so let's hear your thoughts on that game.
0: All right. Well, before before I get into that, I want to ask you a question about this game. All right. And and we can delve into this, but was this game more a Tampa Bay win, or was this more a Green Bay loss? Meaning, did Green Bay kind of screw themselves and lose this game through not because they weren't the better team, but because they screwed up and made dumb decisions? Or did Tampa Bay really win this game? Because I have my thoughts, but I, I want to hear yours.
1: Okay, that's a good question. And first off, kind of a disclaimer, if you will, I think it's fair to say that any game in any sport, there is probably an element of both of those things happening, right? The winning team does well and the losing team doesn't do well, right? That's mm-hmm. just kind of how it works in most cases. But that said, I think it is a mixture of both. I'm going to lean towards the Bucks winning this game, even though Brady uh... was... He was good. He wasn't great in this game. Um, the defense, like I said, really did well. Um, they had to do well to bottle up the Packers offense enough to win, even with Brady quarterbacking them. Um, and they had to do it especially so given that he didn't have his best game. So yeah, the the Packers beat themselves in a few different ways. And we'll definitely talk about a specific decision near the end of the game that has driven me crazy since that happened. But um, either way, the fact that the Packers were in desperation mode towards the end and needed to score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion just to tie kind of makes me feel like the Bucks put themselves in a really good position to begin with. And sure, the Packers screwed the pooch a bit when they had the chance, but I got to give the credit overall to the Buccaneers.
0: Okay. All right. I uh, I respectfully disagree, sir.
1: <laughs> All right. Um,
0: I, you know... I could probably count on one hand, well, maybe more now, because he's been playing for damn near two decades, but the number of times Tom Brady has thrown three interceptions in a game and come out with a victory. You have perhaps the greatest quarterback ever, and he played—he threw for 250-something yards, but he only had 78 in the second half. Mm-hmm. So, And he threw three interceptions, and frankly, two of those interceptions were Bush League. Like should never have happened. He just chucked that ball, <laughs> and and I, I remember watching. I think it was the second or the third interception when he was about to get hit. And he just threw it in the air, and I said, "That's going to get picked," it, because it was just like a duck in the air. But anyways, I um, I, I think that, that I, I don't know. I, I'm you know I'm not an offensive coordinator or anything like that, so I'm not going to blame it on the play calling. But I kind of am because you, you had. Three, three interceptions, and you got uh, – I, I probably should have looked it up how many points they got, but they got, like, nothing off of it. Actually, they, it was, like, two, three and outs, I think. And I think the third one, they, got, they went down and they got a – field. Uh, it doesn't matter, hmm. but they didn't capitalize is the, is the end point. And, and, and we'll get to the decision to kick a field goal rather than go for it and, hmm. and all the shenanigans that were in that debacle of a series – but I, I gotta be honest. I think Tampa Bay got incredibly lucky. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. You, you, you know, throughout the season, you, you're gonna get lucky and you're gonna be good. And the best teams have a combination of both. And Tampa Bay is that right mm-hmm. now. Um, and and you know, and of course, Tom Brady's the first quarterback to have a be the home team in a Super Bowl. <laughs> like it only makes sense that he's gonna get that record because why not? Let's give him another record. It's almost
1: add. like it was playing.
0: But uh, serious, I mean, I saw a tweet the other day that I thought was hysterical. Some dude tweeted out like, Tom Brady literally just picked a random team and said, hey, y'all want to go to the Super Bowl. And I was like, that's essentially what dude. happened. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to come play for you. We're all going to go to the Super that's Bowl. Let's so accurate.
1: It. And how much you want to bet Brady looked at which uh, team had the next Super Bowl and was like, I feel like not traveling for the Super Bowl this year. I'd just rather, rather I mean, play at home. I don't want to leave my house.
0: I, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past
1: man. Well, it.
0: but uh, yeah, no, that game was just—it uh, was great. I'll be honest, it, it was a great game, mm-hmm. and that's—I mean, since the second game, you know, after halfway through the first quarter was, frankly, in my mind, kind of a blowout and it was over. Like we all knew the eventual outcome. Right. Um, I mean, literally, Patrick Mahomes is the NFL's equivalent of Thanos. Like he is inevitable, <laughs> and he's not going to be stopped. Sorry, I nerded out. There. No, I love but, it, but. The first game, I mean, it was it was really great. I mean, there, there was a lot of – I mean, the second half, I'll be honest, as a Patriots fan, fan, watching Brady in the second half, it was like, oh, yeah, there's the Tom that I remember when we lost last year. Mm-hmm. And he was making the horrible throws, and he wasn't being effective. And it was kind of just like, ah, uh, he was trying to – it was almost like he was – you know what it was? It, he reminded me of last year because last year he had no talent. So he was trying to do everything rather than remembering like, oh, hey, wait, I have more play, more star players on this offense com- than I've had in all, almost all my years as a Patriot combined. Right. So, like, I don't have to make these bombs down the field. I can just – I mean, he could have dinked and dunked, and he might not have gotten touchdowns, but who cares? Like, it wouldn't have had turnovers and put the game, you know, kind of – kind of in the balance for a little bit but um i will say one thing they got to get a little better at uh, minus that one amazing run from fournette is their run game they they got to get something going with there, or they're going to struggle mm-hmm. so i think the one thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to keep the ball away from Mahomes because he doesn't need more than what a minute minute and a half two minutes to score a touchdown
1: if that yeah i mean it, it just happens in a blink of an eye and it's <laughs> it just kind of stuns the other team right so i i agree yeah. they need to really get their their offense in the Super Bowl needs to be like almost perfect you know even if their defense shows up plays another good game we're not dealing with with all the respect to Green Bay we're not dealing with the Packers offense anymore we're dealing with the Chiefs offense which is a whole different beast so oh yeah we'll see and like like I said we'll we'll dive deeper a little bit into that before the Super Bowl but let's uh go a little more in depth real quick on the in my opinion, you you mentioned it. The real story of that NFC Championship, to me, when it all came down to it, is, you know, the Bucks are up by eight late in the fourth, and the Packers are in the red zone with Aaron Rodgers, the likely NFL MVP leading the offense at home. Coach Matt LaFleur opts to kick a field goal to make it 31-26 instead of taking a shot on fourth down with Rodgers. I get coaching conservatively. But in that situation, in my opinion, you have got to put the fate of that game, the fate of your season, really, in your MVP's hands. And, you know, Rogers alluded to the same thing. He's not going to throw his coach under the bus. But you have to know that giving Tom Brady the ball back, even in a game he's not playing super well in, giving him the ball back with a lead late, needing just a couple of first downs to win and advance to the Super Bowl, probably not going to work. And it didn't. So that, in my opinion, was a brutally bad coaching decision. It's not the only reason they lost by any means, but. In that no. situation, that was that was rough to watch.
0: It well, it, you know, it was it was really kind of crazy. Um, I think the most disturbing thing for me coming out of it was that no one communicated to Rogers that like they weren't going to go for it. And I think, given the that Lafleur over the past two years has given. Rodgers, a lot of say, kind of like Brady was in in New England and Peyton, you know, in Indianapolis and then Denver, where he calls his own plays more or less at the line of scrimmage. So if he's sitting there thinking like, oh, hey, we're going to go for it on fourth down. I'm going to try this play. I I think he had a point. He probably, like he said in his post-game interview, he probably would have called a different play. Mm -hmm. I I mean, first off, the throw was awful. He threw in the double or triple coverage when, frankly, I think instead of – being uh eight eight yards out or whatever, he could have ran. He either could have ran in for the touchdown or he could have made it. And then fourth and three, or you know, from is a hell of a lot easier to maybe get punch it in than fourth and eight. Yeah. But um, I think the biggest thing was there was no communication, and um you know, someone's going to have to. That's going to have to be a. Ama- if I was the GM. I'd be talking to Matt LaFleur and and I wouldn't mince words of like, I need your side of this story immediately because if you're not, because now look at the situation and we'll get into that later, but now we're in the situation we're in and our star QB, like our face of our franchise is pissed, Yeah, which he has every right to be. But, uh, you know, like you said, you kick a field goal, You get the points, and and you're giving it back to. I get it. You want to get the points, and you think if you give it back to Brady, you had the timeouts, you had the two minute warning, but but it's like, dude, you're you're not playing some bum. You're playing Tom Brady. Like he's been it. How many times has he been in this situation? He's not going to screw it up.
1: Exactly. And I mean, bottom line is right that Lafleur put his faith there in his defense instead of Aaron Rodgers, which I think he gets. At the very least, he gets a lot less blowback after the fact if he lets Rodgers take that, 100%. you know, that play into his own hands, Hundred percent. hoping that the defense will come up with a big stop. But yeah, I think uh, that was tough. We'll see how things go from there for Green Bay. Um, obviously, it hurts to be that good all season long and fall that last game short. But somebody has to lose, so let's move on to the NHL for a bit—a little all hockey right. talk. Joining us today is my brother-in-law, Bond Danku, from Los Angeles, California, allegedly in an Albertsons parking lot. I love it. But we, uh, Matt and I have made very clear that we don't know enough about hockey to do much analysis on the sport. I promise we are both working on it. But for now, we need to bring in our expert, our resident expert, and that is you, Bond. So I know you played hockey growing up. You're a devoted fan now. Most importantly, you have Canadian blood running through those veins. So welcome to the podcast, Bond. Your hockey knowledge is wonderful more than welcome so take it away
2: what's happening guys i uh appreciate you getting me on the podcast um not sure how much wealth and knowledge i can bring you boys but uh i will certainly try uh, i that is that is currently correct i am in albertson's parking lot it's another <laughs> beautiful day out here in los angeles we actually got some snow this week so uh, the skates are uh, are going and it looks like uh, the hockey gods are, are giving us the good, the good news and the good weather and it feels like hockey. It feels like hockey, boys. So I've, I've actually, I went from, um, born and raised in North Carolina and uh, as you said earlier, got a little bit of Canadian in me. So my father put me into hockey uh, as a young kid and really enjoyed it. Um, played up through high school and then did some club hockey in college. Um, from there, moved up to Montreal. Great hockey city. Uh, immersed myself with some outdoor hockey and uh, got to experience Ooh. that fun. A uh, little pond hockey. And then uh, worked my way down to South Florida, which was pretty much the opposite. Um, <laughs> Pretty much people go to those games that are fans from uh, other places and uh, quick vacations to get out of the colds. And now I'm in the L.A. market, which is very interesting, and uh, it's incredible what the U.S. has done as far as growing hockey. Um, But, yeah, for me, uh, I I still am very passionate about it. Uh, I do play a little bit, uh, keep that on the a DL, <laughs> sister. Your, your wife doesn't hear me. I'll, um, I'll, but I'll
1: edit that out, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, I'm learning more about the, the markets here and the youth hockey here. Um, but it's been uh, it's been a good run, and being around hockey everywhere I go has been excellent. So nice.
1: Well, I guarantee whatever you know about hockey is a lot more than both Matt and I do. So again, we appreciate you, Matt. Matt's kind of my go-to fantasy sports guru, uh, but we're both a little green when it comes to the NHL. So I think you guys may have met maybe once in person. I don't know. Either way, you know of each other. Um, But we need your help to talk through a few things and get some perspective from someone who isn't spewing nonsense to sound good. So (laughs) let's start here, Bond. Um, In our first episode, Matt and I both picked a dark horse team to win the Stanley Cup. The only requirement was that it had to be a team... Uh, outside the top seven or eight favorites, according to both ESPN betting odds and their power rankings, and it also could not be the Prince since we both root for them, uh, Fairweather fans, of course, but we do root for the Prince. Um, so my first question for you is, which one of us is more likely to do well with our dark horse prediction? I picked the Carolina Hurricanes. Kush picked the New York Islanders.
2: Ooh, two good picks, boys. Without. Um, analyzing much I would I would have to go uh honestly I'd probably go with the New York Islanders as much as I am a Carolina Hurricanes Uh, fan. Straight to the uh, heart I I really I don't think the Canes have the goaltending that they need to win a cup. Um I think they have great defense, some of the best defense in the league, and they have now finally a a top line. Um S- Svetch and Svech uh, and Aho and Tara Vinen. I think that's one of the best lines in the NHL, but uh, they're still slim when it comes to depths of centers. And I don't think they have what it takes to win the cup. Uh, Islanders obviously made a good run. And uh, last year, I-, I think they have the, 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 they're more of an old school team uh, built on defense and goaltending and bruisers. And uh, they're not flashy. They'll score two, three goals a game. Uh, but as far as carrying you through the playoffs and the way everything's set up um, this year, I, I would have to take uh, Matt's pick on the uh, the Islanders.
0: Well, it also helps they don't have a goalie that's their Zamboni driver, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they got they they switched that rule out. I'm sure we'll just dis- maybe discuss in a little bit. But
0: uh, yeah, I saw. That. Yeah,
2: I. I I think the Islanders um, have more of a, a, a whole package. I think the Canes are up and coming and they have a lot of good pieces, but they're still missing and they, they rotate between two goalies, which is going to be more frequent this year. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think they have a true number one goalie. And therefore, I don't think it'll take them past uh, the Eastern Conference finals if they make it there.
1: All right. Well, you know, I'm not happy to hear it. I think defense wins championships. And you said the Canes have good defense, but I will defer to you. You obviously know more than me. I will not take it personally since we are family now, but <laughs> sounds like you and Kush are on the same page. The Islanders will be the best of those two picks. And Woo! we will find out if that, uh, if that comes to fruition later in the season. But, uh, next question for you, Bondo, recently the U S upset the Canadians in the world junior ice hockey championships, an unlikely victory for a U.S. team that came in sixth the year before and lost its opening game to Russia this year. Uh, they were facing a powerhouse Canadian team playing on home ice, a team that had outscored opponents 41 to 4 leading up to the gold medal game. So, needless to say, this was a massive upset, but in the end, it just proves that America is better at everything than Canada, right? <laughs> no, it totally, seems like totally it's, it's going that way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding.
1: Well, you know, they're. In all seriousness, uh, do Americans have a chance at winning gold on more of an international stage now that we have this young talent clearly coming up uh, in the future here? Is there a repeat of the Miracle on Ice in store, or will our hockey claim to fame here remain the Mighty Ducks movies? Which isn't a bad thing, but...
2: (laughs) Um, I, I think, uh, recently I would say within the last, um, 20 to 25 years, uh, the U S has really put a focus on developing kids, um, as far as, uh, for nationals, uh, what they did is they have a USA development team. I think it started in like 96 or 97 and they're based out of, I believe, Ann Arbor, Michigan, And what they do is they're in the USHL, which is United States Hockey League. And essentially, it's just like the juniors of Canada. And these kids go there. They train. um, This is during their high school days. They go to school and uh, pretty much focus on hockey. Uh, And what it's done is it's produced a couple players that kind of have ignited a bit of a following Uh, your Patrick canes, um, your, your Austin Matthews uh, and now even uh, Hughes out of New Jersey and Jack Hughes. And uh, what it's done is created a culture in the States that these kids are starting to believe in where they can go somewhere and actually make a difference and make it into the NHL and, Uh, furthermore, make it into the international scene. Um, I, I believe that the U S in the next, uh, I mean, I don't think it'll happen next year, but in the next two to three, uh, Olympics. So, I mean, you're looking at, you know, eight, 12 years, uh, could potentially bring a goal back to the U S. Um, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of kids that are skipping out on, uh, going to juniors as well. Um, And going to this USHL uh, development team uh, and staying in the United States, um, this also leads, you know, keeps the door open for uh, universities uh, that they can play hockey at in the U.S. Whereas when you go to Canada, I believe your eligibility is no longer there uh, for colleges. And I mean, as you guys seen in many other sports, uh, kids are starting to stay a little longer sometimes for educations um and what it's doing is it's creating a good environment for the u.s uh what also has helped is the locations of these newer teams Uh, i mean you look at carolina uh even in florida out here in anaheim uh, los angeles uh it's the the hockey market i think the philosophy is working for the nhl Uh, where they're starting youth programs earlier and kids are getting more involved. Uh, I think more rinks are popping up, which makes it a little more affordable because there's not one rink that everyone's trying to go to and you can't afford to pay for the ice time. So I do now Is Canada stopping as far as, you know, creating talent and uh, making these powerhouses. No, but I think the U S is finally getting to the point where they're starting to catch up a bit. And there's some big names coming up that, uh, I mean, if you look at Jack Hughes, he's from originally from Orlando, and Austin Matthews is from Arizona. So uh, I'll throw the Coyotes in there too. These uh, these markets that the NHL hit, targeting uh, to grow the game of hockey, is starting to work. Now, whether that is generating lots of revenue in their pockets, you know, uh, that's another story. But um, as far as developing these kids and creating uh, a good atmosphere, that atmosphere for them in in a competitive environment i think it's starting to work so don't quote me on this but i think (laughs) maybe in eight to 12 years the 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 u.s could really get a goal
1: i would love to see that so the real question then becomes if we get to that point do you personally root for canada or the (laughs) united states big question don't disappoint your father
2: (sighs) well you know some being in the states it's it's fun to always root against the the other team right you know, no matter where you are. So I would say the last one, I think when the U S and Canada played, I was pulling a bit for those Canadians, but with the growth, with the growth, the U S has done. And you know, not a, a, they haven't had a gold medal in so long. Um, I would definitely be rooting for them. So things have changed. Love it. Things have changed.
0: All right. Well, speaking bond of, you know, um, Canada on all this i got two questions one what do you think this year about the canadian only league um they've kind of with pandemic and everything they're leaving everybody up there um <clears throat> one what are your thoughts on it and two do you see this potentially uh, going forward do you, do you see this staying around do you see that canadian having their own league still within the NHL, but like their own division type thing
2: I, I honestly, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's actually a pretty, uh, pretty cool idea. I mean, obviously with the COVID, they didn't really have much of a choice, but uh, I think it's going to create a little more rivalries up North. Um, ones that kind of uh, went away for a bit or actually maybe not. A, uh, we're never there. I mean, you have your Edmontons and Calgary's, you have your Montreal and Toronto's. Um, but when you mix in Ottawa and Winnipeg and Vancouver, and each team, I, I think they're playing each other eight times. There's going to be a little more grit in there. There's going to be a little more, uh, you know, represent your city because, in all honesty, Canada's not that big of a country. And each, you know, team is heavy uh, heavy hockey fans. So, I think it's going to bring a little bit more uh, edge to the the Canadian um uh, lead, uh, Canadian teams. Uh, I don't think it's going to stay just because of the distance they all are traveling and the time zones and the, the differences uh, you know, getting from, you know, Montreal to Vancouver isn't uh, a two hour flight. So I don't think it's going to stay, but I, I, I do think it's going to, kind of get the canadians all together and huddle around and really duke it out over you know maybe an ottawa winnipeg or a a montreal vancouver i think it's gonna spice things up a bit and um get the canadians a little get them going a little bit you know because they're 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 so nice and kind it's like (laughs) when they play each other who knows you know they'll be
1: getting going
2: uh, politely of course, exactly. So, <laughs> well, I think it's, I, I think it'll be fun. I I think it'll be fun, and it'll be good for the Canadian markets. Uh, I mean, obviously, they all watch a, a bunch of hockey, but playing frequently, so many times, uh, we're we'll only you know increase uh, the hate hate. I, I don't even know if hate's in the the Canadian word. But, uh, Strong
0: dislike. Does that sound uh, better?
2: Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Slightly. So, I mean, I've
2: already seen it. I mean, there's some, there's there have been some gritty games. Uh, I don't think is much of a, a team up there. I think one thing it'll do is show how much of an embarrassment they are to Canada because they stink.
0: <laughs> yeah, they haven't been good but, Uh
2: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think it'll be good for the league and good for the Canadians, and it'll be it'll definitely be good hockey to watch.
0: Okay. Who would you say um, is like the LeBron James, like the, the, like the face of the NHL? And I swear if you say Sidney Crosby, I'm going to start screaming at you.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that, that boat is pretty much sailed. Oh, thank God. Uh, I, do like, I do like watching Sidney Crosby because he is – I'll, I'll relate him to LeBron where when you're watching LeBron play, you know where he is. All, like you know that he's going to be in the right – uh, space at the, the right time everything's timing for LeBron he's there when it matters right mm-hmm. if there's a last second shot he's going to be in the corner taking the fadeaway making it and Crosby's that kind of player where if the puck's you know on the other side of the ice he's going to be right beside the net knowing where it's going to go before anyone else does um so in terms of uh I guess just knowing the game and understanding the game, it's LeBron and Crosby are similar. Okay. But I would say the the most up and coming guy, if you have a chance to watch, is Connor McDavid.
0: Oh, from the uh uh-huh. from the, the Oilers, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, wow. hey, Chris dropping some you.
0: knowledge. Boom, I get <laughs> There <points>. we
2: go. <laughs> I love it. And that's not a big market team to watch either. So I mean with him obviously and they had, I don't know, three number one picks in a row. Something crazy. Oof. Um but, no, he is a thrill to watch. The guy is, is super quick. He puts up goals like no one I've seen, uh, I, I don't know, but other than Ovechkin. Um, wow. And highly recommend watching a, a couple games and just the way he plays and his vision. And, I mean, honestly, some of the goals he, he scores, it's like watching. You know, you know, back in, like, the day where you, you were playing sports and there was, like, one kid that just went around everybody yeah, and made it look so easy. I was never that kid. I don't know if you guys <laughs> were in baseball and just struck everybody uh, out.
1: <laughs> my 43-mile-an-hour EFIS uh, <laughs> wasn't doing much. But <laughs>
2: yeah. but this kid, he does it in the NHL, and it's just incredible to watch because, I mean, he makes it look so easy. Okay. Um, so I would say Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, he's the new up-and-coming LeBron and uh, – He's changing the way kind of the NHL is is going into it. it's the more fast and quick and uh uh less you know, less physical. You don't really need the body as much. Um I mean Jack Hughes, the number one pick last year, I think he's like five ten, a buck seventy. Oh wow. So the NHL has definitely gone into more of a fast pace, quick uh more scoring. Um less physical uh, kind of uh, league.
0: So, so would you say that it's kind of turned, like it's going the way of like the NFL and like college football and even basketball for that point where it's like more points leads to more viewers. Yeah. And you think, I think so. You think they're doing that to kind of, cause like, here's the deal. I'm, I am not going to lie. I just, so right before I moved down here, my brother brought me to like my first hockey game. Shout out, Mikey. Um, and it was the Bruins, and I forget who they played, but it was it was a lot of fun live. And I remember sitting there being like, damn, like, hockey's fun as hell. Why have I never watched this? And then I moved down here, and much to my brother's disdain, I'm now a Preds fan, which just drives him wild. But, like, <laughs> even being a Preds fan, Bond, like, I – if there's nothing else on, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch the hockey game. Like, if I go to a game, like, I'm in it. Like, I'm there. I'm screaming. I'm yelling. I'm – having a ball but if it's on tv it's kind of like eh.
2: so yeah it's i mean it's 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 harder to catch you know a regular viewer's eye because i mean you understand the rules now right and kind of the strategy and um, the cycling and all that stuff well
0: yes and no i know that um you want to get the puck in the other team's goal (laughs) <laughs> I know that you can't hit the other players with your hockey stick. Yes, it um, is true. And then uh, that's that's kind of where my knowledge ends, <laughs> which will which kind of leads to like one more question I have for you. So I know the I know the NHL came up with some new rules this year. Like there's that uh, like taxi team or taxi squad, whatever the hell it is, where they can carry a couple extra people because of COVID, which I think is smart, but like. There's that new offsides rule, right? Mm-hmm. So first off, because I again and I'm I'm so embarrassed to to admit it to both of you because I know how big soccer and hockey fans you are. Well, Bond, you're a big soccer and hockey fan. Jeremy, you're just a soccer fan. <laughs>
2: So, like, exp- until this podcast is over, then he's going to turn into hockey only.
0: I mean, yeah, he's oh, clear- yeah. he's clearly on his way of just being solely hockey, and I'm going to have to carry the rest of the sports. I mean, that's how it's going to happen. Big Sharks, yeah. Big
2: Sharks fan. Big Sharks fan. <laughs> Big Sharks fan. Does Joe
0: Thornton still play on a side note? Is he still alive?
2: Side note, yes.
0: Holy smokes.
2: You know, he's, he, yeah. He's got to be like 50 now, injured. right? It's, it feels like <laughs> it, man. The guy's been in the league forever. He's actually on Toronto now. Oh wow!
0: I remember. What? I remember he when he was on the. the I remember when he was on the Bruins. He yeah,
2: left
1: the freaking Sharks. Yeah,
0: but sad. so so yes, yeah, so, no. So so I guess so. Can you explain the new offsides rule to me? And then, i.e., maybe I'll understand overall what offs the blue line is offsides, right?
2: Correct. All right. So explain and this the rule. Has to- okay, so. You have the blue line, and you're going into the offensive zone. Okay. The puck has to be over the blue line in the offensive zone before any other person is in that zone. Okay. Meaning their skate has to be one skate has to be behind the line. Okay. Or two, or yeah, and one one skate can be on the line. Okay. So what happens is when you're moving the puck in, obviously, usually it's in front of you, correct? Yes. With your with your stick and you're skating in, you have to get the puck over that line before your skates get over. And what they were doing is, let's say, on the other side of the ice, you're a winger and you're sliding up the, the, the side of the rink and you're going into the offensive zone. You have to wait until that your teammate pushes the puck over the line. Meanwhile, hmm. if your skate is not touching the line, then they'll call off sides. So if your skate is in the air – this is before the rule change. Okay. If your skate is in the air and it's and you're seeing it on the line, it's kind of hard. I'm, I'm using my hands here, but, you know, I can't really explain very well. <laughs> if, if I told you how many um, times was, I do
0: that when I talk with Jeremy on this podcast, you, you, it's, I, I get it. You're good.
2: You probably look like crazy. I love though. the podcast. We're going back old school, you know. It's, <laughs> it's back old school. We're going on the radio. I love it. So, anyways, if the skate is not touching the line physically mm-hmm. – and it's over, they would call off sides before the puck gets into the, into the offensive zone. Hmm. So what they did is uh, I, I don't really like the rule myself as far as the review, the challenge, because I think it really slows the game down. Um, I mean, this is a debate in all sports. Do you guys, you know, how do you feel about reviews in the NFL? Now, what do they, they look at everything under two minutes I get it. At the end of the day, you want the right call. You want your team to have, you know, uh, everything accurate, right? Because if there's a blown call, like what was it, two years ago or last, last year when the Saints had that pass? Oh, God,
0: call I want to and, talk about it. Man.
2: You know, yeah. like <laughs> stuff like that, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. But what it also does, it just slows the game down. Right. So what they did is instead of having your skate having to touch the ice, it can now be in midair.
0: Oh ah. so what but that, I have to but I'd still have to have one one skate behind the blue line.
2: Or I mean you can both you as long as your skates are on or are behind the blue line, you're good to go. So I
0: could jump in the air and technically be like maybe across the blue line, but as long as my skates are on the ground, I could get the puck and shoot it.
2: Yes. For the old uh-huh. rule. The new rule now that your skate can be in midair. You could be, you know, skating down the ice and doing your twirls and whatnot, and, and a <laughs> quick jump. I've, so, I, it'll be interesting to see this year.
0: So, so, so I guess my obviously the follow-up question is: Could you see a surgence of figure skaters now coming into the <laughs> NHL and doing like triple flips and stuff across the blue line? Is that is that a, is that a you likelihood? Know.
2: I think that might be. I mean, maybe we we should get you into the scouting. This could be something big here. I like it. I love it. You know, actually, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of low key NHL players that were thinking Really, scorers. really. I don't know if if you remember. I don't know if you know Jeff Skinner. He used to play for the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I do not. He plays on Buffalo now. I don't know if if Jerem knows him, but if you if. Write his name down or whatever. If you're ever watching Buffalo play, um, watch him skate. And he honestly does a lot of figure skating as far as, like, opening up his skates. Really? So, it's – yeah, there's there's several. I don't know. I can't name many others right now. But there's several NHL players that were figure skaters because you're essentially finessing skating, right? It's all practicing and – in. in I mean, I know you get the twirls and whatnot, but you become a very good skater forwards, backwards, you're moving, you know, your, your body weight is, is flush and moving from, if you're a forward and going into the D position. So it's definitely a a, a bonus. Um, I mean, for me, I would never put myself into figure skating, but some of these crazy Canadians, you know, nothing else to do the rinks open, no hockey. Might as well Again, that's wild. Well,
0: I mean, you're you're talking to a guy who, anytime I skated, my ankles just caved in. So <laughs> figure skating was not not even an option. For <laughs> oh, <yeah. it. laughs> the fact that I could maintain uh, balance and standing up on skates was just uh, a miracle in and of itself.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I went skating uh, at the Preds practice facility one time in Nashville like three years ago with Keelan, and I'm pretty sure I'm still hurting from that. And it was like an hour, so I feel that. Well, you guys ski. Do you both ski? Yeah, yeah. I snowboard, well, but I to ski before then. Don't say. Don't. Okay. Say I mean, I haven't. Stellar, I, right. I, I, have, I haven't skied done.
0: in. I haven't skied in like five years. But here's the crazy thing, Bond. I can rollerblade like well, back when that was cool in the nineties. <laughs> I could rollerblade like nobody's business. I didn't. I played street hockey. I literally could have been on the Mighty Ducks. <laughs>
2: Did you did you ever watch the beach hockey that was out in California? Wait,
0: what? Those beach
2: hockey, beach hockey? You guys never heard of it? The pro league they had out here in the, that. the
0: that's beach. a real thing? No, really? Really?
2: It was huge in the nineties, and I think it got into the early two thousands. Uh, yeah, I'll have to send you some videos. It was professional beach hockey, wow. and at the at the behind both goals, they actually had like an elevated. Um, it kind of like, uh, what is it, Houston Astros oh, in center field, hill. where it kind of yeah. elevates it, the hill. Yeah. They kind of have like this elevated hill behind the goals. It's it's It was, I loved it. I think they did it in long Beach, to be honest. Were the
0: goals trash
2: That's cans? It... <laughs> no. That, that oh, man. You know, maybe we started yeah, a new right? league up, boys. Man,
0: I would have knuckle pucked the shit out of that league. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
2: goodness. <laughs> oh yeah it was it's 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 uh it was good stuff but no i mean i think uh figure skating uh, uh, on the down low is is big for some of these hockey players and they i mean i don't know if it's i'm assuming it's probably their parents that get them into it uh i don't know if it's hockey into figure skating back into hockey but there's a couple studs in the nhl that you can even tell just by the way they're skating and the movement out there that they did something other than, than play hockey huh. growing up.
0: So, how? So, I guess, I guess my question it sounds like how you, you hear a lot of NFL linemen do like ballet. So, mm-hmm. ha, real quick, for someone who literally that sounds amazing, I want to know how I can differentiate. So, if I watch hockey somewhere, I sound really flipping smart. Is there a way you can tell a difference between, like, a player, like like a visible difference between a player who's done figure skating and who hasn't?
2: Yes. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I always was – I wouldn't say intrigued, but I was I was kind of like, wow, Jeff Skinner. Uh, so he, the Canes drafted him early, and he stayed with them for, I don't know, five, six years, um, and then he wanted a big contract, and Buffalo paid him. But if you look at the way he plays and the way he opens his skates, you would really say, Wow, that guy would be a great figure skater. Okay. So I, I it's it's kinda hard to describe without, you know, without the, the hand movements we got going on. <laughs> right. Here. But if you just look down at your feet and you open
0: Oh like open your feet like a penguin? Yes.
2: And the way that Jeff Skinner skates is he'll be he'll he'll open his feet like a penguin and be and just be circling around in the zone. It's crazy. It's unbelievable.
0: No yeah. kidding.
2: So think, yeah. YouTube Jeff Skinner skating and. I, yeah. I was about
0: to say, I, I know what I'm doing yeah, after this it's podcast.
2: It's really interesting. So, I mean, as far as taking off, I don't. I I, and I always did hear the uh, the old lineman used to do ballerina. Is that still a thing?
0: Um, from I mean, I don't I don't know any offensive linemen off the top of my head. <laughs> But you always read about you always read about we hit some do this right. like things like that here and there. You know, it gives them that balance that they need to like
1: I feel in, like twenty twenty one, anything,
2: you know, yeah. more people will probably be doing that stuff. You know, and you need any um, competitive yeah, man. you can get. Right.
1: So. All right, Bond. Uh, speaking of your day job, you know it requires numbers and math and markets and whatnot. So we are going to do a quick. Um, buy or sell get into your comfort zone here just three quick topics so first things first Matt touched on it earlier the all Canadian division obviously necessary during COVID but in terms of competitive balance are you uh, buying or selling that division is it fair to have all those teams lumped together or is there enough parity there
2: is the travel too much what do you think as much as I enjoyed and like it, I'm gonna have to sell. I'm gonna have sell, to sell. 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 And the reason why I'm gonna sell this is uh, there there isn't enough competition in Canada. The last Canadian team to win a cup was in 1991. Your Montreal but... Canadiens, and yeah. it's uh, it's just not gonna happen. Um, I also think the TV markets, uh, the US is is a bit intrigued with it, but at the end of the day. The money comes from the, the most of the U.S. markets, even though you have your Toronto and your Montreal. I I, I, I mean, hockey night in Canada is huge, and I truly really enjoyed it when I was living there. Uh, every Saturday night, um, you had your 7.30 and your 10.30 West Coast game. It was fantastic. But outside of those, um, that, you know, day, Saturday, it's kind of like Sunday night football, but it was in, in Canada for hockey. Um, I think – If they keep the all-Canadian teams, it loses a bit of that because uh, most of those Saturday night games were matchups that were happening in Canada, but they weren't as frequent. You know, your Montreal, Toronto, even though they're the same division, they weren't playing eight times a year. So I'm going to have to to sell the all-Canadian division and uh, enjoy it while it lasts this year, but uh, uh, time zones and, and, you know, Traveling across the country to play a game, it doesn't make sense.
1: All right, fair enough. So second one, are you buying or selling these Southern California hockey teams right now in the Honda West division? The Kings and Ducks right there where you're living were given third and fourth worst Stanley Cup odds to begin the year, but they're currently tied for third in the division with eight points. And of course, it's very early. But are you buying or selling that SoCal hockey success this year?
2: Another huge sell. Uh, unfortunately, as much as I would like to see one of these teams make a good run, um, the Kings have just too much of a an old and young team. It doesn't; It's not jelly enough to get pat, even into the playoffs, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I mean, you still have guys like uh, Carter and uh, Kopitar. I mean, these guys won the cup, I don't know, back in 13, 14. Um, they're not really uh, Stanley Cup contenders anymore. They have a, a really good young up-and-coming team. Uh, and with the AHL not starting to February 5th, it's it's kind of given them, um, I guess, an opportunity to play some of those players. But uh, I, the Ducks as well, uh, there was a bunch of players that were in the Junior World Hockey Championship. They looked good. They looked great. Uh, the one kid from the center from uh, the U.S., um is on the ducks, but uh, again they don't have that uh depth that they need. They don't have the experience and uh I don't think they'll they'll do any damage this year.
1: All right. Well finally the third one. Uh the Seattle Kraken are saying Release the Kraken. <laughs> oh you you've been waiting all podcasts to say that I'm
0: I've been so excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta There's be honest, new, I was
0: on I was online team. the other day looking for like Cool memorability to throw in the man cave from the Kraken because I was like, why not? It's the, the Kraken. it's the Kraken.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong. They got cool colors, cool logo, cool name, but Love it. Know, we'll see if it leads to success, which is kind of the question here. So they are obviously joining as an expansion franchise as soon as next season for the NHL. But the most recent expansion team, the Golden Knights in Las Vegas, they went to the Stanley Cup final their first season, right? Um, mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, maybe that was a fluke. They seem to be pretty competitive for their. Short-lived existence. They're doing well again this year. But on that note, are you buying or selling the possibility of the Kraken being a playoff-bound team next season in their first season?
2: As much as I want to switch it up and do a buy here, <laughs> I, I, I got to sell. You know, and, and the reason I'm going to sell on this, I think the NHL makes it uh very competitive in a way where you can't protect – most of your players and they're going to have a good team. I really do. Um but I also think that Ron Francis isn't the GM I would want, uh especially when you're starting a team. I don't think he did that great of a job in Carolina. Obviously, uh they kind of ran him out the door. I think he made some uh interesting uh, long-term uh contracts and signed uh, some people that I don't agree with. So, for that reason, I have to sell. Uh, the only reason that I, I would potentially think about buying this is I I, I don't think the the division they're going to be in is going to be super strong, but yet again, Vancouver's on the uh, up and coming, so they're going to be uh have a, a great team. Um, Vegas is going to play well, but I, I just don't see them uh getting the players they need under Ron Francis, guys. No offense to Ron Francis. Uh, actually i think uh, my dad coached with him or i know he coached his kid back in the day but uh nice guy i just don't think he's <laughs> the the fit for the kraken unleash the kraken <laughs> and uh i'm gonna sell i'm gonna sell that they make the playoffs
1: all right oh. well he he may be a nice guy but nice guys finish last right so that makes sense exactly oh, And much. i know you you do a lot of selling for a living so i understand the triple <laughs> sell there that's fine <laughs> Um. Well, you know, we we really appreciate you being on and walking us through this crazy sport. Lots of difficult jargon for me to understand, but I did learn something. Um. So thank you. But before you appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Before you go, one last thing. Obviously, we got to know it's early again, but we need to know the experts' pick right now to win the Stanley Cup this year.
2: To win the Stanley Cup in this kind of environment,
1: in this economy. uh...
2: In this economy, um, you know, I, uh, as much as I want to see a Canadian team, I'm going to throw this out there just because I, 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 would like to see them win, and I think they have the tools to win. I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, pick them! I'm going to pick them to win it. No. I'm pick, are you? Who are you pandering you? to your relatives right now?
1: Your Torontoian no. relatives.
2: <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit because I, I don't I, – I really think it's going to take a lot for them to win it, but they have a really good team, and they have a couple old guys that have been really wanting to win it. Their, their goaltending's tending's there. They picked up a couple D-mans, so I, I think they, they, so they could potentially do it. they
1: would be the first Canadian team in 30 years to win it? Is that right, if they were to win it? Yep. Wow. Yes,
2: that, that is correct. That would be fun. So it would be a uh, – uh, uh probably a year long celebration at the Danku house that's for sure
1: i bet i bet it would be all right bond well so, thanks again man we really appreciate you coming on and we will obviously check back with our hockey guru later see how uh, how you did see if you gave us good information but that will do it for this segment okay Thank you, Bondanku. We'll check back in with our hockey guru later and see if he gave us good information. But for now, we will segue over to round robin. Just a reminder, this is a section where we spend 10 minutes total on a few random sports topics. So I'm going to start the clock right now. And we will begin with a couple of uh, football discussions. So Kush, as you know, we've talked about off air, but it was first reported on the Dan Patrick show a little over a week ago that Recruits at the University of Tennessee received money in McDonald's bags when they visited Knoxville under the recently canned head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Um, Pruitt, two other coaches, several members of the recruiting department were fired and the internal investigation into the violations were called, quote, stunning based on the number of people involved and number of incidents, end quote. Pruitt's lawyer is now getting involved, calling the situation an orchestrated effort to save money and get Pruitt out of there. They have now hired the former UCF coach. Um, but it's a mess in Knoxville. What do you say about this little scandal we've got going so, on So,
0: I mean, being living in the state of Tennessee, I, I wish I could say that I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> it's just train wreck after train wreck over there. Um, bad decisions on top of bad decisions. Um, you know – I've I, I've heard the argument that they're this is one of their way. I mean, first off, nine staff members, um, two members of their recruiting department, the coaches, all got relieved of their duties. Uh, you know, and I don't root for anybody to lose their job, but if you're this flipping stupid to just be given cash and McDonald's bags, not even in secret on the damn campus, I, I, you know what? Like maybe maybe recruiting isn't for you. Um, you know frankly it, i don't feel bad for piling on tennessee cuz they're tennessee already but it's just like this just reeks of like how it's a sloppy way of recruiting and um and they're just a sloppy team and here's the thing if if you're giving out money what star recruits are you giving money to cuz your team has been shit for like years are <laughs> you just Peeking people off the street? Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, if you're going to get caught for violations, at least have a good team. At least make it to the football playoffs. something. Like, this is just obnoxious. But that being said, you know, it's interesting because Fulmer, the AD, is also out. Um, He's not fired, but he's he's leaving. I'm I'm sure they encourage him to leave. But Fulmer gave Pruitt uh, an extension after – the horrible year they had last season or this past season. Uh, It's just – and they owed them a bunch of money, but they can get that money back if they have just cause. And, I mean, this – if anything's just cause, using funds to bribe players is pretty good. Um, But, I mean, it's just – and especially with head coaches and over the past – six, just since I've been in Tennessee six years ago, it's just another embarrassing story, an embarrassment and a stain on a program that, frankly, in my opinion, really can't afford anymore. I mean, it's going to take them a long time to recover from this.
1: Um, I'm with you. They, you know, they went 15 and 19 in Pruitt's three seasons. So, if you're going to illegally recruit players, I assume all teams do in some way, shape, or form. I just think most of them are much better about it than putting money in a McDonald's bag. You know, they just were handing it out it. on campus that's what i'm saying that's what the report
0: says on campus
1: make your illegal recruiting count right don't go 15 and 19 after recruiting guys with or just recruit better
0: players players. you're clearly recruiting a bunch of bums
1: i think they were handing out like (laughs) three or four bucks in each bag saying hey you can buy a couple meals with this by the way you're a two-star recruit come to tennessee Uh, it's crazy right Okay, our next topic, the NFL continues to have a massive diversity problem among its head coaching and general managing ranks uh, with only eight minorities total in those positions out of 64 spots. Pittsburgh's Mike Tomlin, Washington's Ron Rivera, Miami's Brian Flores and newly hired Jets head coach Robert Saleh, who is Lebanese-American, are the only four minority head coaches right now. There are four GMs of color and only two owners are non-white. Which really brings us to the overall issue in the NFL, in a league in which 70% of players are not white, 35% of assistant coaches are not white, why are only 12.5% of coaches and GMs not white? Why isn't Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of one of the most impressive offenses we've seen in the NFL in Kansas City, getting a gig? You know, is this systemic? Is the Rooney Rule even working? What's going on?
0: So... Uh... I honestly, I feel like for a round robin, this, this situation, this topic is it's more suited for almost an entire episode. But uh, this morning I was listening Mm -hmm. to the radio um, when I was driving and I I did hear Romeo Cornell was actually on and he was on uh, um, an ESPN show this morning. And they were actually, they asked him this exact same question and Romeo Cornell's response was interesting. And, And I'm paraphrasing, so I, I don't have his exact words because I literally listened to it six or seven hours ago. So forgive me, but the general the general thought just was, you know, if you look at all these owners, minus the two you spoke about, um, they are white. And yes, the league is seventy plus mm-hmm. percent black, but who are, where is the money coming from? It's coming from sponsors and corporations that have all these big box seats and. and But who owns those corporations? Mm -hmm. What's the color of their skin? And so sometimes, you know, and and again, it it goes back to the whole almighty dollar. But sometimes having a black coach or a black GM doesn't align with showing success to these corporations. And sometimes people aren't doing that. This is per Romeo Cornell, and again, I'm paraphrasing. But he also said, you know, I think the biggest thing is, which which has been a struggle, but you know, uh, you got to get these coaches in. They just they got to. In teams like the the Texans, and we've talked about this, didn't even consider BM the enemy, which is just stupid. But if you had told, I mean, based on the way the NFL is, like you know, when Tomlin interviewed with the Steelers however long ago. Uh, He also interviewed when Russ Grimm interviewed with the Steelers. And and I don't think anyone thought Tom was going to win it, but he got in there and he wowed Mr. Art Rooney. And I think Mm -hmm. the biggest issue or the biggest obstacle is just them getting in. I don't know what it is and I don't know how to change it because clearly the rules they made this this year with like draft picks and all that stuff did nothing. Teams could have cared less and I don't know if the pandemic or whatever screwed that up, but I don't know how to fix the barrier, or what solutions there are for the barrier just to get the candidates in there to interview. I mean, it's just, it's a broken system and I, I, it's disappointing. I will say the one bright spot is, you know, two two black offensive coordinators or two of the only black there's three offensive coordinators i believe in the nfl and two of them are black and they're facing each other um in the super bowl so i think that, i think that's pretty cool
1: yeah I, I think that's uh yeah that's the good news on the topic overall probably is that you know the bucks actually have four black coordinators the chiefs of course have BNME. enemy like you said the two offensive coordinators facing off are both black and you know between the two teams realistically there are probably three likely future NFL head coaches among them, even if it takes absurdly long for those opportunities to come around and be offered, but I think they should all get the chance. um, Yeah, it is a very tough situation. I think your paraphrasing of Cornell is on point just about how the stakeholders, unfortunately, for the most part, are white, and that clearly shows in the hiring practices, but we will uh, definitely touch on this in a later episode. Like you said, we could probably devote an entire episode to it, but All right, let's move on to our very last round-robin topic here. We'll do it quick, but the Baseball Writers Association of America released its Hall of Fame voting earlier this week, and none of the players on the ballot reached the required 75% threshold for induction, complete shutout. So do you have an issue with that, given who was on the ballot?
0: (sighs) So here here's my thing. Um I know Kurt Schilling was the closest. He had 70 something percent, right? And the others it was they were like yes. Schilling, Bonds and Clemens, right? And Bonds and Clemens were in the 60s. Correct. Okay. So I I'll be honest, um I know last last week I think we spoke about Hank Aaron. And um in my eyes, he's the home run king. I, I don't. I ref- and call me whatever you want, but I refuse to acknowledge Barry Bonds. I think that's garbage. Um, and, and frankly, I, I agree with uh I agree with the the Hall of Fame voters in not acknowledging Bonds. I think that um, if you're not going to acknowledge Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, they haven't acknowledged Mark McGuire, right?
1: No, McGuire is no longer on the ballot, and Sosa is on the ballot, but not getting nearly enough support to eventually be So then if
0: you're not going to acknowledge them, you can't acknowledge Bonds, in my honest opinion, um, because they're one and the same. They all did the same nonsense, and frankly, Sosa and McGuire, or at least McGuire copped to it, Bonds never did. Um, in terms of Clemens and Schilling, I... Here's the thing. I, I think Schilling is not getting the votes because of his political stance, which while I don't agree with it and I'm not getting into politics because that's, it's, it's exhausting in today's day and age. Um, mm-hmm. I don't agree with his politics, but if that's why you're not acknowledging them, then you're dumb because the hall of fame is based on skill, talent and accomplishments And there are plenty of people, I mean, I don't know this, but I'm assuming there there are people in the Hall of Fame that probably weren't the most stellar human beings, but they are in there because of their accomplishments on the the diamond. So that's my thought on that. Roger Clemens, I feel like he's kind of in the same boat as um, Barry Bonds. And, And I'll be honest, like, the last lasting image I have of Roger Clemens is him sitting before Senate saying somebody disremembered. And I literally say that just to sound like an idiot sometimes because that's literally the lasting image <laughs> I have. Run. Oh, that person disremembered. It's uh, So, I mean, I, I could care less about Clemens and Bonds. I, I do think they were talents. I do think like McGuire... I think I have a softer spot for Maguire and Sosa because they came on when the Major League Baseball was kind of dwindling in the country's eyes in terms of a major sport, and they literally got everybody. I mean, I remember watching baseball specifically because I knew every time one of those two got up to bat, the game was going to immediately cut to them. I remember sitting on my couch, couldn't wait for each of their at-bats. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love I, – I got me back into baseball. But Clemens, yeah, Clemens I've, I don't care about. And, and Bonds, frankly, <laughs> I, I don't, I I will, in my mind, I will never acknowledge Bonds as the home run king. Hank Aaron is the home run king, and that's that's all I care about.
1: So, first things first, uh, I, I like that. I'm with you on the home run king thing, and it's not just because I'm a Dodgers fan and Bonds spent his the better years <laughs> of his career with the San Francisco Giants. It has nothing to do with that. I do believe that, Players who break records and reach milestones while using performance-enhancing drugs do not deserve my recognition, personal recognition at least, as the home run king. Um, There are plenty of players, both present and past, who agree with both of us and acknowledge Aaron as the home run king. But beside the point, um, I... Do have a problem with this Hall of Fame voting this year, and there are a number of reasons why I could go on forever and ever. As you know, <laughs> I will not. I will. No, you. I. I will. Y- you, um,
0: you're the baseball guru. Like I want to hear. Like talk to me.
1: <laughs> I know, but I'm thinking more in terms of uh, both of our phone batteries dying. No, that's this call funny. by the time I get halfway through, so we can have a call off air about all the fine details. But basically, here's here's my short version of the issue. I personally think. <laughs> That the Hall of Fame, both in baseball and really in any sport, is a museum dedicated to the history of the Mm game—good, bad, and ugly. Right? A player's characters or actions during a career, whether legal or not, they should be considered, of course. But I don't think that they should be deal breakers in this sense. Where you know there are bad people, no matter how you spend in the Hall of Fame, right? They already exist from way back when to recent inductions. I know that Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds have PED ties to them. Kurt Schilling is obviously a vile human being, but they should be in the Hall of Fame because they are, especially Bonds and Clemens, are two of the greatest players we will ever see at their respective positions. Bonds' is, PEDs are not arguably the greatest hitter we will ever see. Schilling has that incredible postseason resume. Again, all the off-field stuff right. aside, which hard to put aside, but, in terms of being in a baseball museum, where you chronicle the best, the worst, the craziest people and actions and records and whatever that goes with the game, of course they need to be in. You know, I, I am lucky to unofficially have a vote for the Hall of Fame. Um, it's not again; it's it's through the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. So all online bloggers that want to join. Um, which feels like a fun honor it has no still pretty cool though voting, dude. that's pretty it awesome yeah it's, it, it forces me to put more thought into this every year which is definitely something i value but um you know when i vote bonds and clemens have been inducted by the internet baseball writers association really? previously but this year for example yes they have and they, they allow you to vote for 15 not 10 which is a nice kind of perk but it's uh all these things that I've just mentioned, it's, it's why I will support Bonds and Clemens for the Hall of Fame. It's why I include Kurt Schilling on my ballot. It's why I will continue to vote for Manny Ramirez and Gary Sheffield and all of these players either suspected of or proven to have used steroids at some point because they are still some of the best players of all time. So just to tie it all together bring it back to the main question, my issue with this year's vote, shutting them all out is that there are a ton of voters right now playing both sides where they vote for Bonds and Clemens, but not for Ramirez or Sheffield. And, you know, they all have PED ties. So why two and not the other two when they're all clearly statistically deserving right. of enshrinement? They vote for Omar Vizquel, who has recently been credibly accused of yes. abuse right. uh, and assault, but not for Kurt Schilling because of his political views and of course, there is a character clause. There is a clause written into the bylaws of voting for the Hall of Fame. And I'm fine with voters considering these things, fine with them not voting for some of the less surefire picks, uh, kind of fringy cases that I personally support, like Todd Helton or Andre Jones, Scott Rowland, etc. But the only, and I mean only argument against someone like Manny Ramirez is that he was busted for PEDs twice after testing was implemented. But if you withhold your vote for him because of that, that's fine as long as you're consistent, right? If you withhold your vote for him, but vote for Bonds and Clemens because they never technically got caught or some other BS excuse, you're, in my opinion, you're doing a disservice to, again, a museum that should be celebrating all aspects of the sport and the players that play the sport. So anyway, final thought, I I have an issue with nobody getting in because of these inconsistencies in the voting. The fact that there are at least three players, Bonds, Clemens, and Ramirez, who are undeniably there is no argument statistically against them being the greatest baseball player among the greatest baseball players ever to step on a diamond so that none of them were inducted is very frustrating to me. Bonds and Clemens are in their final year of eligibility next year. Schilling has indicated he will request to be removed from the ballot in some very weird protest. I don't know what's going on with that, but what this really does in the end is create a big log jam for next year and hurts candidacies of other. Right, Cause next players. year,
0: next year, um, so... A-Rod and Ortiz is their first year on the ballot, right?
1: Yes, exactly, and they both have their own complicated legacies. So we're going to have the same uh, argument, but the voters have now have to choose against all these guys I've mentioned. We're going to have, gonna have a whole
0: conversation if, about this because I'll tell you right now, I don't care on yeah. my on my ballot. Ortiz is first first ballot Hall of Famer just simply for what he's done in the in, in the World Series and the playoffs every year. But we'll we'll save that. But I, I got one question for you, and it's simply because I okay. just as talking about baseball humble brag, please nobody hate me. I'm looking at one <laughs> of the signed baseballs in my man cave. Rank, um, so so I'm going to give you four names. The three names we've talked about, Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens. I'm going to add a name that has not yep. been voted into the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose. Who, uh-huh. out of all four of those, Here's... who deserves to be in first? For, n- no questions asked. Who are you going to vote for first? Okay. Pete Rose. Okay. Okay.
1: No doubt. I'm a huge, huge proponent of Pete Rose being on the Hall of Fame for similar reasons as I've described. And just by sheer, like, the fact that he came first and he's been shut out for so long makes me think he is the most deserving of those four in terms of how fast they should go in. I hope that someday he is, whether it's when yeah, he's alive that, or And that not. was going to be my
0: next question. Uh, do you think the veteran guild or whatever the hell they're called will vote him in, or do you think he'll get it posthumously? Or whatever that term is.
1: Unfortunately, I think the only way forward for him is to have a sympathetic baseball commissioner, um, because who kind of overturns the ban, which then allows the the voters to vote guilt free. Because I think that the Veterans Committee is made up of a more stodgy, old school population that took serious him offense to on the games, and, you know. actions. Yeah, and you know the same same goes for. People use PEDs. I'm sure they will be very harsh on Bonds and Clemens down the road. But, yeah, definitely Pete Rose of those four. I hope all four get in in some way, shape, or form someday because they are all beyond deserving. I mean, Pete Rose, (laughs) come on. uh, I was was going to say, and and you
0: know he never – well, I I walked that back. You don't know he didn't. I would say the only drugs in Pete Rose's system were probably uh, the Bandito Blanco and uh, whatever else was cool <laughs> during his time, maybe some beer, some vodka, or rum. But yeah, I mean, he was. He
1: it, he wasn't. Per- enhancing no,
0: he in anything was he was giving the team, the, t- with, the other team yeah. an advantage. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I'm saying. So I mean, I I agree with <laughs> so, you. I, I would say out of those four, Pete Rose would be my first. I just think that it's. And again, you are the baseball guru. I am not, but I, I think it's a sham. That uh, Pete Rose has not been in, inducted into the Hall of Fame yet, based on all, I think I think it yeah, needs to be more on the accomplishments on the field and the shenanigans off. I think there could be an asterisk, but the Hall of Fame is about your accomplishments on the diamond and that. But I, I know I know we're running right, up against that's... it, so I don't want I don't again. This is a con- we can definitely expound on this conversation on the pod on another episode,
1: but. Yeah, and we definitely will return to this at some point. And, you know, that's the point you just made about the asterisk. That's really all I'm saying is why can't we put Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Manny Ramirez, Pete Rose, Kurt Schilling, all these people into the Hall of Fame, and then you have this whole display, right, when you go to Cooperstown. You've got a plaque with their accomplishments. You've got information about them. Why can't the last line of Barry Bonds' plaque say, or I guess not Barry Bonds since he's never tested negative. Why can't the last line of Pete Rose's plaque or his bio say banned from baseball in XYZ year for XYZ reasons. That's it. Just make it known that he's probably not a very good guy. He cheated the game in a certain way, but he's still one of the best players of all yeah, time. Yeah, I, I,
0: I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think that's what you got to do.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an old institution that doesn't like to break its ways. And you could say that about baseball as a sport in general, but again, a conversation for another day. So You are right. We are up against our time limit on round robin. So I will pivot us to one final quick thing before we go out. Um, You know, we have a startling lack of bets being made in this episode, which is unlike us. It's a problem. So before we leave, we have to make a few bets very quickly. Three quick hitters, starting with the NBA. Which happens first in the NBA, Matt Cushman? The Lakers get to 10 losses, they're at four right now, or the Wizards get to 10 wins, they're currently at three.
0: I honestly will say the Lakers will get to 10 losses simply because in another couple of weeks, they're probably going to start resting LeBron and, uh, their, and Anthony Davis. And and there are no, okay. they're, they're in, especially given the short offseason, uh, there are no they, they don't need to prove anything. Like, they don't need to get to, like, 70-something wins to upstage the Warriors, especially with the shortened offseason. No, the Lakers. Lakers will definitely get 10 losses before the Wizards get 10 wins. And frankly, I'll, I'll one-up okay. you. I think before the Lakers get to 10 losses, Bradley Beal will be on the trading block.
1: Okay. So that's the one caveat for me. I'm choosing the Wizards to get to 10 wins first for a couple reasons, which I'll explain, but that is the caveat I wanted to mention. I'm glad you brought it up. If Bradley Beal gets traded, this changes everything. I'm not saying that's an out. I will stick by my prediction either way, but if he gets traded, this obviously, you know, they lose one of their two best players, so that is a complete game changer, but I am going with the Wizards only because I think they will step it up a bit now that Westbrook is mostly back. They've had a ton of close losses, including a few to the Sixers and Celtics, kind of more elite teams in the east they also beat the nets that has to count for something but i don't know if this really says more about the wizards or just the lakers being really good i guess it's kind of both but i'm putting my money on the wizards to reach double digit wins before la gets their losses even if they start resting ad and lebron the lakers do have a fairly soft schedule coming up over the next month or two um all things considered so i'm gonna go crazy and go with these wizards. I, I, love I, 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 I love it i think you know what i love it i
0: love i love your passion your enthusiasm so uh, you're silly but i'll uh i'll allow it <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay i appreciate that all right all right our second wager before we get out of here there are six teams in the mls for major league soccer that are either 7-1 to or 8-1 to odds to win the next MLS Cup, which is not being played until December. So we are way out of schedule here. But at 7-1, to you have FC Dallas, New York City FC, and the Seattle Sounders, followed by the Portland Timbers, Toronto FC, and the defending champion Columbus Crew at 8-1. to As mentioned, we have a long way to go. The league is starting in early April. The Cup won't be played until December. But of those six teams I just mentioned... Who are you going to blindly choose right now today?
0: How easy is it to repeat in soccer?
1: Not as easy as you would think.
0: <laughs> Bond did such an amazing job. i uh, shout out to Bond and all the dang. I'm going to go with Toronto. Shout out to, Shout out to the dang crew oh, crew. Okay. I'm going to go with Toronto.
1: I love it. They were very very good last year, so that is a good pick. They uh did win the cup uh in 2017 and just to just to answer your Earlier question, the last time an MLS team repeated, 2011 and 12, the LA Galaxy won the MLS Cup. They actually ended up winning three in four years, which is a dynasty if I've ever heard it. But I uh, I love the pick. Toronto is a great choice there. Um, I personally am going with the uh, defending champs. I know that's a little boring. I'm a little more bullish on that group of teams at 8-1 to one than 7-1. to one. And I have to side with the champs. I mean, the Columbus Crew. It, it's hard to repeat as we've demonstrated, but I do think they got a little better this off season. I think there were already very few weaknesses to address, and you know they just showed how hard their offense is to contain in the MLS Cup last year. So, I'm sticking with the Crew. I will write that down. We will oh, you better believe I already December, wrote mine down. I wrote point, who
0: I picked and who you picked. So
1: this'll <laughs> we're keeping dueling notes here. So we'll at some point this will come to a head and like october we'll be like okay episode 147 and you'll be like no no you said the sounders and we're we'll like i have the crew written. it's, gonna,
0: it's gonna be epic but Green you know episode.
1: i can't wait i'll t- tell you <laughs> if we're
0: blessed enough to get to 100 episodes i'll be thrilled we will no, we'll,
1: we'll get there stand <laughs> um, all right man last one let's make a bet on where trevor bauer who is the biggest free agent name left in baseball Ends up, uh, JT Real Muto just re-signed with the Phillies the other day, so he was the only other I saw that, fish. like
0: 115 mil or something, yes, right? Five years, very, 115 mil? Exactly.
1: Very, very necessary move by the Phillies. So.
0: I read my ESPN headlines. <laughs> I see that.
1: <laughs> well, with Bauer, recent reports have connected him to a handful of teams, specifically the Mets, Blue Jays, Angels, and Dodgers, but he could honestly end up anywhere, any team with pitching and or money. So if you had to choose out of those four teams or feel free to go rogue and choose someone off the list. Here's the
0: thing. I know the Angels have the most money, yet I don't see them doing that. Dodgers, uh, uh, you know, I'll be honest. a awesome toss-up between the Dodgers and the Mets for me just because the Blue Jays, I think they're going to think they got Springer and they're good to go and they're not really going to care about anything else they do. They just want to make it – a Blue Jays to me seem like the Canadian version of I don't know, let's say the Indians. Like they try to make a move every few years to appease their fans, like they're going to compete, but they still shit the bed. I know I said the same thing last I week. I was going to say the you bed. love talking
1: smack on those Blue Jays. It's
0: a toss up for me between the Dodgers and the Mets. Okay. My issue is I think the Dodgers. I oh god. I think it's a close call. I think the Mets already have an amazing pitching staff. So I'll tell you what, I'll say. i say the Mets, because they can't bet on Syndergaard coming back, so they honestly need, with their pitching staff, they already have a great pitching staff, but their owner seems committed to make an impact. I'm going to go with the Mets.
1: Okay, yeah, I think that's a great choice. Um, I think you're dead right on Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, who we talked about last episode for other reasons, but... He is very dedicated to making them a contender. I think a good starting pitcher would be a nice final piece to their off season. However, I am not going with the Mets myself. I am taking the Angels because if I
0: <laughs> if I see them
1: go one more offseason without addressing their pitching staff, I will lose my mind. Even though I'm a Dodgers fan and I root against the Angels, they have Mike freaking Trout on their team. They have Shohei Otani. They have Anthony Rendon. They have all the offense they could ever ask for. And they keep skimping on pitching. They'd be stupid not to sign Trevor Bauer for whatever money he wants. They're a match made in heaven, no pun intended, who pitched at UCLA, by <laughs> the way. Uh, Bauer pitched at UCLA, by the way. So it'd be, again, a bit of a homecoming. But I think the Angels need to do that. I think they should do that. History tells me I'm going to be completely wrong about this. And I think you will probably end up winning this bet, but that's okay. I'm, I'm putting my hope in a decrepit franchise, the Los Angeles Angels. I will. He's going to the Mets.
0: I call him Mets. He's going to the
1: Okay, we'll see who's right. But I'm calling us here, cutting us off. Good stuff as always, my okay. man. I want to ask you one question before we yes. go, and that's only because you told me earlier that you are at least two, maybe three now. Bourbon's deep. Do you know the name of our podcast?
0: I do, and for the record, I am now four <laughs> deep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It's bros, balls, and bourbon. Emphasis wow, on bourbon.
1: look at you. Okay, you get nothing. Just, just my appreciation, my bonus points. My hey, respect. Hey, that's all.
0: That's all I need. That's all <laughs> I need. You know, we're here to have a good time. We're just two bros talking about sports, balls, and drinking bourbon. Well, that's I'm drinking bourbon. You're just, uh, <laughs> you're being responsible. So,
1: just for another couple hours, I got a couple things to do, and then I'm dipping into it myself. But
0: you're oh, so responsible.
1: <laughs> Oh man! All right, Maddie, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and again to Bros Balls and Bourbon. We will be back again to talk about the Super Bowl and a lot more next time. Uh, yes. This podcast was made with Anchor FM. You can get this podcast wherever you get yours, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, we're big time like that. Um, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us so that more people will know about us. If you did not like what you heard. Stop listening and definitely don't review us. We love you. Subscribe anyways. <laughs> yes. Subscribe
0: anyways. Please. You don't even have to listen. Just subscribe. Right. We'll take.
1: All right. Well. Goodbye, everyone. We will be back next time. And thank you again for your ears.